Hello, and welcome to The Feedcast, a monthly podcast developed and presented by Relay Network. As the feed technology pioneers, Relay Network feeds harness the engagement power of social and news feeds for businesses and the people they serve. I'm your host, Trisha Gabberty, and in The Feedcast, we will hear from cross-industry experts who will share their approach to driving meaningful and powerful customer engagement. In under 30 minutes, you'll gain usable insights and strategies from informative discussions with curated subject matter experts. In today's podcast, I'm excited to be joined by our special guest, Rachel McBrearty. Rachel McBrearty is Chief Customer Officer of Edisort, where she develops customer strategies, designs brand-enhancing experiences, and leads the customer-facing organizations. Prior to Edisort, Rachel served as Chief Customer Officer for Lean Data, Global Lead for Customer Insights and Experience at Cisco, and VP of Creative Strategy for LBI US. Rachel holds numerous patents and was recognized by Time Magazine for Best Invention. Welcome, Rachel. Hello, great to be here. So I would be remiss if I didn't ask about the Time Magazine for Best Invention. What was the invention, Rachel? I developed an interactive three-way dressing room mirror. You know, when you come out of the dressing room and there's a three-way mirror, we turn that into a way to connect with your friends on social media. This was before Facebook was even as big as it is. We were connecting in with MySpace, for example. Wow. Um, with the idea that we wanted to attract youth shoppers for a brand called Annette Lepore, which at the time Nanette was just starting out. She's pretty big now. Mm-hmm. You know, we did a lot of research around youth shoppers and found they wanted to engage with their friends while they were shopping and ask them what they thought of their outfit. So we created a way to tap into your social network and through live video feed, send images to your friends about what you're trying on. So do these jeans make me look fat? Exactly. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then friends could suggest back, based on what was in inventory in the store, what else you might try on. So it made it a back and forth between them and an engaging experience between friends. So your whole career has been focused on the customer and customer engagement and that customer satisfaction. And yet the chief customer officer is a role that's relatively new. Generally speaking, it's only been around about 20 years. Um, So how have you seen the role expand and how do you see it strengthen the brand's relationship with a customer? I think it's, it's become the role that is responsible for the customer across the board getting, you know, in my case, I work for a software company. So getting the customer set up and using the software, answering their questions through the support team, making sure they get to value with the customer success team. But my organization is responsible for ensuring we give a great experience to our customer and building the operating model to do that for our brand. Mm -hmm. As you know, every brand is a little bit different in how they need to engage. We serve the legal profession and we need to make sure we design experiences that are going to be great for that role. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, regardless of what community you serve, whether it be a patient, a gym membership, a consumer at a retail outlet, as you described with your invention, it's all about customer engagement and keeping them engaged. So the obvious benefit of keeping customers engaged is that you know your base, right? And you can project revenue off of that. These are going to be my repeat customers. Can you dig a bit deeper and point out some of the other less obvious benefits of customer engagement? Yeah. Well, when I think about customer engagement, I think about having experiences that are a two-way dialogue. And granted, I I think engagement has kind of come into the forefront through the digital era, and there certainly can be digital engagement, but it also includes the human engagement. And really at the core of any great experience is 
making sure the customer is successful in what they're trying to do, making it as effortless as possible for them to accomplish what they want to do, and creating an emotional connection to them. And that emotional connection increases loyalty more than any other factor. And that's at the heart of what engagement enables you to do. It's the best way to stir up positive emotions. And when we think about emotion, it's not about happy or sad. It's at the core of what your brand means. So in the case of Evisort, we want to empower lawyers to be able to use artificial intelligence and contract management to transform how they can impact their their companies. So we want to create experiences and help them to be empowered, right? Starbucks is all about connection, the third place. So when you go there and you buy a cup of coffee, every other cup of coffee is free when you stay and sit there because they want you to feel connection to their brand. Mm -hmm. At the heart of it, engagement has to be thought of, of how do you create that softer side of the relationship with the brand and the feeling that you're giving back to that that customer. So as you said, it drives more spend and loyalty. But what it also does, to go back to answer your question <laughs> in a long-winded <laughs> way, is you create brand ambassadors. You create passionate people who want to be a part of the purpose and what you do. And that does a couple of things, right? They recommend their friends. They talk about you. They stay longer. And they forgive you too if you make mistakes because it's a you're part of a bigger journey together than a than a bug fix or a, an issue they might have with billing. But you bring up that great point. You become a brand ambassador because you are then the greatest form of referral, right? Have you tried these sneakers? Have you tried this restaurant? Have you purchased this new energy drink? To your point, yes, there can be a flip side. So what are some of the things that can actually hinder customer engagement? I think about setting up the experience such that it's the customer has to want to do that engagement. It has to be a pull from them, right? They're the ones that need to be wanting to engage with you. You can't impose the experience on them. And let's be clear, like not every brand needs to have engagement in order to drive satisfaction and loyalty. Like I might go down to my local hardware store and buy stuff all the time, but I'm not engaging with my hardware store on social media. But I might very well be engaging with social media when I buy my Golden Goose fancy sneakers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I, I do think it's all in the context too you have to really set up the right experience for engagement with your customers to know what that means for your brand. But you can't force it. It's, you know, you have to nurture it. Right. It has to be a natural engagement, right? It has to be a natural yeah. relationship. And it goes back to, you know, that whole one-on-one -on -one marketing, creating that dialogue and creating that relationship and then nurturing that relationship, right? Ongoing. So can you give examples of successful campaigns where you've seen the customer engagement steadily increase and kind of build and grow? I think about the campaigns in two ways. When you think about the customer base, it's, you know, it's not as much of marketing into the customer base, but looking at how do I drive engagement around so the functional, rational things a customer needs to get done. So they need to learn how to use my software. They want to ask support questions. So those are more the tactical, like how do you help them actually get done what they need to get done? And then the other side is that emotional connection. And that's where I think there's campaigns. We wrap campaigns maybe around learning that says, hey, if you become a certified expert, you get a badge and a recognition and you get part of a you know, special expert uh, community. We did this at Lean Data and we saw that in that cohort of customers, we had almost 100% retention and 23% higher growth. Wow. So it's really campaigns that are all wrapped up in engaging them, providing value on a continuous, you know, sort of levels of journey. And that was very, very effective. So do you think that that is a carryover from 
you know, just this explosion of social media within the last 10 or 12 years, 15 years, where it's become a bit more about community, about crowdsourcing, about wanting to belong. And does that just carry in that, okay, now I'm being recognized. And again, a customer can be recognizing you in both a positive and a negative light, right? But I think to your point, if you're recognizing them with rewards or some sort of recognition, that their decision to purchase from you, just remain loyal to you, is what kind of keeps them coming back. Is it, do yeah. you think we'd be drawn from that social media realm? Absolutely. And I, I think we have even more of a need for connection today as we're remote and all working through our screens. Um, I definitely see the need to feel connected in with a community was responsible for the OpStars, called the OpStars community at Lean Data. We were serving operations professionals and sales marketing and customer success and really being able to bring them together, share stories in expert hours, do webinars together to talk about what folks had been accomplishing in the world of operations beyond what they were doing with Lean Data as a you know, software solution and um, having events, putting people on stage. And I'll, I'll tell you just that community and getting together. We had a, a, a live event again this past fall. There's nothing like it, like that feeling of being part of a community that's all working together to advance revenue operations. And I think that, you know, we are all, we all expect that. Customers expect to be able to engage that way. Can you share a brand that you feel from a consumer standpoint has done a great job other than Starbucks, which is the obvious go-to kind of poster child for community. Are there other brands out there, even by generation, Gen Z or for boomers or anybody in between, have they done a great job that you would point to and say, they're the ones that got it right. They've got this sense of community. They can sort of transcend through this digital platform and this digital world into creating a, that sense of community and that sense of belonging that then has me returning time and again. I think REI does an amazing job. And I thought their campaign to opt outside on Black Friday and they closed their stores was amazing to say, you have time with your family, go be outside and, you know, to be a part of that outdoorsy community. And I think they really do live and breathe their purpose. And I just think it's amazing how they're building that that brand out. I, I would agree with you. I think another one that, as you mentioned that, and it's also sort of outdoorsy crunchy that came to mind as of all things a car company, but hmm. Subaru does a great job of identifying and really kind of catering to each of their audience segments. And I think that they just do, as you said, with REI, they walk the walk. And I think that that's important, right? Because it bring, builds that authenticity. And without that, you're not going to have people sticking around for too long. Yeah. And it's, it's too easy to get product from almost anywhere. So, you know, you really do want to feel a connection um, into that that higher purpose. And I think that's become more and more of what we're all looking for from a brand these days. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I think as I'm thinking, we're talking about more about that customer engagement. So we're making that leap that the relationship has already begun, right? We've been kind of going steady for a while here. But when I think back on my days in financial services, I remember learning that it was those first 90 days that were most critical when you brought a new cardholder on or a new bank account was opened, that you had those 90 days in which to really get it right. Can you just talk about that first touch? And are there certain tactics or thoughts or metrics that you would think are the most critical to take and watch when you're first initiating that relationship? Oh my gosh, I love this question. When that first stage is cer certainly important in establishing a relationship, and I think you need to start off with a like prescriptive path of onboarding. But I think what 
the real opportunity is and why it's so important is within that first 30 days, you learn about that customer and what are their needs and wants and what journey do they want to go into? Are they someone who, you know what, we don't need to talk to you all the time. You're very much want to be a self-serve. I'm going to go digital. What specifically are the needs or problems are going to solve? So I think that's where those first you know, 30, 60, 90 days is an opportunity to get to know them and then put them on a path for a longer term relationship. That's what I think is so critical. And it's such a missed opportunity. We have so much data and analytics. And I think we don't do enough to focus on saying, what what kind of experience do I want to give this client? And it's not like everything is bespoke. It's usually three or four different journeys that you might outline. But you know, even from financial services is a great example. Like you might have someone who's very financially savvy and want to engage with you in, in a certain way and others who don't know what they're doing at all and really need a lot of education to feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where you learn very much in the beginning what it's going to take to engage that particular person. Because at the end of the day, you've sold to a company, but then you're engaging the individual. So that's why I think the magic happens in those early days. And again, I think it's such a missed opportunity that companies don't do more to really focus on those first first days and ensure that relationships get solidified. I want to continue to dig into this one. So Forrester's 2023 planning guide cites a prediction that firms that earn greater trust with consumers and employees drive loyalty behaviors such as retention and advocacy. And you touched upon this. So, okay, we're d- developing that trust. You have those first 30, 60, 90 days to do that. We have more tech tools in our stack than ever. We have AI in the mix, and yet you're saying it doesn't have to be a heavy lift. So what are your thoughts on how do you instill that trust and what tools should you be pulling from or what you sh- what should you be tracking? Like you were talking about these behaviors and I agree with you, there's, there's a treasure trove within those first 30, 60, 90 days. What should we be watching for in order to make sure that, hey, we're at risk at this person dropping out or this is the group that's going to kind of continue to gallop um, in this relationship? It takes time to understand what is going to be the couple of things you absolutely need to do for your customers and your organization. So data is the fuel for all this engagement, right? Unlike traditional CRM, which is kind of static, you do want to be able to take that relevant data and apply it in the moment. But you have to figure out what those moments are because it's not the same for every onboarding experience. And there aren't going to be that many that make or break it. So for example, it might be that you know, onboarding, you need to, in some cases, we need to educate first and make sure that a, a customer is super comfortable. In our case, what's AI? What is OCR? Well, you know, no one knows what those terms mean. So it's super important for us to establish, get a relationship, and then we know we're going to be off and running. But that's a magic moment. And I think you have to use the data and you have to kind of test and learn over time. I mean, there is no simple way to get at it. I do think if you can get at those key magic moments for for your first year or first 60 days is is really what matters. And I think too, loyalty really, there's two things. Um, There's going to be the magic moments, but it also has to do with how well you just deliver on the basics. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where you need to think about using the tools, the, the, the data and analytics to make sure you're just consistently delivering on the basics. That brings to mind so many companies, again, I'm seeing are employing to your point earlier about all of us being behind our screens, right? We all pretty much got lazy during the pandemic and ordering everything online became, I guess, the the norm. So with that in mind, I'm seeing a lot of companies that as soon as you place your order and hit send and put your payment information in, the survey pops up. So are companies really using those surveys? Uh, The question is, are customers really answering those surveys? There you go. (laughs) 
Exactly. Exactly. And, or, or, you know, because again, to your point, I think it's, it's great if they are, but in the absence of that, because they're, they're trying to do just that, get that reaction, get that response, that pulse check, forget the first 30 days, it's within the first 30 minutes, rather than waiting for the customer service chatbot to start about something that went wrong. Yeah. Uh, but I think there's, you can also take a look at what's working based on what does the customer do. The survey response is great, but you know, those aren't always high in response. And sometimes it's because someone's annoyed. And um, But I think taking a look, so if you go through onboarding and you find that, you know, you're, you're getting, and I'll use my example at Evasort, that we have driven adoption and everybody is using it at the end of 60 or 90 days because we've gone through and hit on the key things, um, then we know we're going to be successful. So I think you have to figure out what are the key things that you're going to do to drive adoption, to drive ultimately retention? So sometimes you have to wait 12 months to know what worked and didn't work. Oh, we did this with these customers and, you know, we are not seeing as great of a growth. So I used the example earlier on our certification program. It took us 18 months before we could start to even see the relationship between those certified experts and, and what was happening on renewal. So I think at the end of the day, you have to be able to tie it to revenue because that's at the heart of what you're trying to do in customer experience. I know it sounds counterintuitive and no one likes to say it's about driving revenue, but honestly, if you deliver value to your client through a great experience and with your product and delivering value into their company, they should reward you with staying and buying more. If not, why are we here? So I think at the end of the day, can you tie it to revenue is really what's key. So we talked about the first touch, that initiation. We talked about ongoing engagement. What about re-engagement? for consumers and customers that have kind of gone dormant. And I know there are different tactics and schemes that we all employ to try to win win them back. You had mentioned in a previous conversation the notion of customer health. So can you expand a little bit on what customer health is and how that may help with re-engagement? Yeah, health is, there's a number of dimensions when we think about the health of a client. In B2B, it's going to be the health of their company. It's going to be the use of your product. Are they increasing and or sustaining use? Are they logging into your software? Um, but it is also about that interaction with your brand. Are they coming, are they reading your release notes? It could be as simple as the basics, right? They might not be engaging with your webinars or thought leadership, but are they, at, you know, at least engaging with the information and content they need to be able to successfully use your product? So we have, there's different levels of what you can be be measuring, but it does go back to, we just, we do have clients that, you know, don't want to engage with the brand in some in some of the content, but as long as they're solid and, and using it and are good. And, um, you know, I think it, again, you have to set the health score based on the segment and the behaviors of that segment. Yeah. And I think that that could easily be translated into uh, or transferred over to consumer goods as well. Right. I mean, I may travel a specific airline or be loyal to a couple of them. That doesn't mean I'm going to access their site and see what content they have for me to read or, you know, constantly check up to see, you know, great. We've got, you know, we've added these many new planes to the fleet. That's fine. Right. I, I, I'll look at the headline that talks about the new route, but I may not be too much, too interested in sort of the mechanics. You raise another interesting, I mean, there's a whole other topic we could talk about, which is I, I like to talk about share of wallet. 
And that's understanding you as a consumer, if you're flying a lot, is that the only airline you're using? Because that airline might be like, great, Trish is here all the time. Um, she's, you know, flies with us every six months. She's definitely a loyal, you know, customer and come to find out that actually you only fly them when you're going on a certain route. Otherwise you prefer somebody else and you're traveling every week. But if they don't really know that, they don't really know what share of wallet they're getting and that they're missing out on it. So that's the other dimension. I, I use the example of grocery stores. Like I'm going to go to the grocery store down the hill from my house for the basics, but it's not my favorite place to shop. I would rather go to Whole Foods than the one down the, the street, just like the Whole Foods experience, but it's across town. If they're not looking and saying, oh, interesting, the profile of this individual, there's things I'm not buying. They're clearly, you know, they say they're happy. They're answering the surveys. They come in every week. They spend a hundred bucks, but actually they don't know I'm spending 200 somewhere else. So that's the other dimension is really trying to always trying to zoom out a little bit. And I know we're getting into, I get in really geek out on this. I ran the data science team at Cisco and we just had so much data where we could kind of look at things like share of wallet patterns or what we identified the five key things in Cisco's experience that actually drove growth. Because, you know, it, there, there is some magic in being able to pull all the data together and look at the relationship between data and revenue. But that's not a luxury everybody has. <laughs> right. But that, but it's still, you make a valid point that it's, it's, really studying that data to understand, yes, we say share of wallet, but it's also share of share of, of engagement, of, of customer attention, right? So they're only looking at my site, but maybe if I have a feed or what have you, they're going to be a little bit more loyal. They're spending X number of hours on their phones and they're looking at Instagram. Maybe I need to kind of get into that pattern and adopt that type of behavior so that, you know, or that type of tool so that my client, my customer is engaging with me that way. I mean, it goes back to, right, meeting your customer where they are. Right, experimenting. Like, mm -hmm. we found certain, you try things. If they don't work, abandon them. Try something else. You know, certain kinds of webinars or topics might work. Certain kinds of content. It, I think you do have to test and learn, too, to, to figure out what, what your constituents are looking for. Or are you attracting, it's not just volume, we look at, certain kinds of individuals or segments or industries love this kind of content and others love this. So, you know, as long as you're, you're measuring and, and looking at the impact uh, and who you're attracting, then you can, you can continue to refine your strategies. You have to be a little bit more customized, right? To your point, get to know your audience, right? And each audience may like a different flavor. So then you can figure out, you, okay, we can't be all things to all people, but we can be these three things. And that seems to work generally well with each of these. And measure, iterate. Yeah, if you don't, th there is a there is a science to this. It's an art and a science. And I, I think it it's important to mm -hmm. make sure you have the metrics that you can measure. And there's a couple of key ones that I think, you know, if you, you talk, go back to health, health gets distilled into those couple of key data points, let's say around engagement, that you determine are critical for your business. Um, and it's, that's a baseline for some, but then measuring to make sure that you're, you're sort of seeing, seeing those points that matter. We have like a baseline of, like you said, do, are they opening release notes? Are they looking at their customer newsletter and information that they need? Are they renewing on time? I mean, those are really, really their table stakes. But if you don't see those behaviors, you can't even get to the next level. I think it's important to put that infrastructure of metrics in place and determine what are the key ones you're going to manage. And I like to keep it simple, not having hundreds of them. 
Yes, I agree with you. It's very easy to go down those rabbit holes with data. So I think it's really just looking at what resonates most, what what's going to give us the the quickest answers so that we can best curate and best serve up what, what our customers are looking for. Is there anything else? We, we really went around, I think, the full gamut of the customer experience in this time. Was there anything else that you wanted to touch upon or is there any questions I didn't ask you? As a CCO, I think about the engagement in two ways. You need to have your sort of rational, functional engagement to ensure consistency, to make sure that the experience of getting onboarded, supported, et cetera, is all solid. That's first, because we know that loyalty comes from having a solid experience. People are not necessarily more loyal with discounts or rewards or making up for mistakes. They are more, more loyal with consistency and just a good experience. And then knowing within that, like we learned at Cisco that for the support team, what made the difference between whether or not a customer stayed or left after a support issue was how quickly we responded to them, not how long it took to fix, but that we got to them quickly, acknowledged they had a problem and said we were working on it. That's what mattered, that time to respond with the right person. So I think getting that nailed down with what's really important across like five points in your your journey as a baseline. And then the next level you think about is that emotional engagement and how do you wrap it with, you know, value-added webinars or content or things that are around the purpose you serve. So if it's REI, they're going to have their opt-out side days or they might have classes in their stores on, you know, how to do mountain climbing. Those are the more emotional, supportive things that surround your product. But I think as you start, put the baseline in, make sure I can get in and buy my equipment and have that solid, but then also thinking about that more in the emotional side, because that's really what then gets you that next level of loyalty. But as you're starting out, like I am, I'm new to Evasort, I want to make sure we have the basics of the experience because without that, who cares if we're doing all the rest? So that would be my advice to, as you're starting to build out any engagement plan or looking at what you're doing in your company, make sure you've got the basic experience first. The basics down. And, and as you said, even, you know, solving the problem, it's, it's being recognized first that I even have a problem, which goes back hand in glove to your emotional connection. Okay, so just to recap and make sure I captured all that we've talked about distilled into these three little sound bites. The first uh, and most important is those first 30, 60, 90 days when you're establishing the relationship. The basic foundation for that is emotional. Having that emotional connection to know that I can rely on you, I've chosen you, and my purchase will go through, whether it be a service, a product, whatever the offer might be. But the emotional connection is there because I feel good about what your brand is offering. From the brand perspective, the table stakes have to be there. So the basic delivery triggers and mechanisms have to be in place. The customer service has to be in place. It has to be a good experience. And all of that is just basic table stakes to, to make the transaction happen. The third piece I have was that it can take 12 to 18 months to really study and grow and know your customer base. And if you're delivering that value, they're going to deliver the revenue, right? So that there are there are certainly quick hits that you can get out of the gate as that relationship starts that you should pay attention to. Um, keep tweaking that delivery to make sure that they're satisfied, but then test and learn as you go along so that you can continue to build and nurture those relationships. I love that. If you're delivering the value, then they're going to deliver the <laughs> revenue. I mean, I didn't even, uh, 
I, you could put those words in my mouth. That's brilliant. <laughs> That's what I heard you say. Rachel, thank you so much for taking the time to, to chat with me today about everything customer engagement. Thank you for having me. You gave great examples, great insights, and I just had a, I had a good time talking. Me too. I always love this topic. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of The Feedcast, created and produced by Relay Network. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe to be notified of future episodes and give Relay Network a follow on LinkedIn. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent the views and opinions of Relay Network, nor should they be taken as legal advice. We recommend consulting your own legal team when considering your customer engagement strategy and practices.